Well, this is our new series, and we're really excited about kicking off these next four weeks, because I feel like it's going to be a... Are we getting there? Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's going to be something that's going to be really uh, practical and helpful to build um, not only authentic community here um, in City Light, but also as, as we take you know, our lives and the influences that we have in, in other um, realms of places like work and home and all that kind of stuff. So we're excited about that. Um, Christian Dunn, who is the lead pastor of City Light, he is taking a vacation, a much-deserved vacation. So we're really happy for him. And so, uh, you know, when he's away, um, I get to play. So it's going to be really fun. You never know what I'm going to say. Um, let's hope it's edifying today. But uh, we'll, we'll not, we, don't, we don't know. My name's Jonathan. And, and so what's cool about this series, what we're excited about, is that there are 31 another Bible verses or commands in the New Testament where they really talk about things that like, like honor one another, submit to one another, forgive one another, love each other, love one another, um, encourage one another, build one another up, stir one another on, forgive, uh, confess to one another. There's all these commands. And, and basically it, it, it talks about how we're supposed to relate the way Jesus would want us to relate to each other. And it lays it out really simple and really practically. And I feel like if there's going to be one thing that we're going to major in at City Light, one thing that we're going to do great is the great commandment. See, when, when somebody came up to Jesus, when Jesus was you know, on the earth and talking, and they said, hey, take all the things that have been said about, about God and about rules and all that, what, what do I really have to do? And he boils it down to saying this, all right, love the Lord your God, love God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two things. And you kind of look at it as like it's, it's vertical and horizontal, right? And, and when we're in this place, that's kind of why we go to church, so that we can connect with God, so we can have that, that relationship where, where we're growing closer to him, becoming more like him. But if it's only us and God, then we're really missing half the equation. We have to dig into this, love your neighbor as yourself. And, it, and it, it's really that kind of vertical influence that we can have and how we relate to each other. And it starts with how we relate in our families, our spouses, our siblings, our workplaces. And so it really answers the question, well, how do I do that? How do I love my neighbor? And so over the next four weeks, we're going to really get into these one another scriptures. Um, So let's get started. Today, we're going to talk about one of my most favorite Topics I feel like are so powerful because it, it's worked in my life so incredibly, and that's the power of encouragement. And so if you look at, oh, you know what? I don't have a clicker, so Janine, you're going to, there it is. Okay. Got it. So if you look here, Paul's giving these, these letters to the, the, these churches that he's working with and discipling, and he's talking about how we're supposed to live towards each other. And so he says in First Thessalonians 5.11, I've always tried to avoid any scriptures from First Thessalonians because I'm always very much a Thessalonians because, you know, whatever. So anyway, First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. And then the other one another for encouragement is in Hebrews 3.13. Encourage one another daily. And this isn't like rocket science. Most of us can look at this and not misinterpret it. Right? It's pretty simple what he's saying. So why is he putting it out there? Why is he giving these commands to do this? Because it's something that we could forget to do. It's something that, that at times we could choose not to. I love the encourage one another daily. 
See, we should be encouraging somebody every day. And sometimes that is hard to do. Sometimes that takes intentionality. Sometimes you have to think about it. There are times when you encourage someone and it just comes naturally because you're like, wow, that was really incredible what you did or whatever. But encourage one another daily can be a challenge for us. And I see this picture that, that is being created here of, of what this community is supposed to look like. This the community that encourages each other, that builds each other up. And I see it as like, all right, the best example I can have is my daughter, Sayla's soccer team. A couple years ago, there was a bunch of talent on the team. People were really good. But every time they faced any kind of adversity, they began to tear each other down, yell at each other, blame each other, get angry. And the coach wasn't helping. He was on the sideline yelling at them and doing all this stuff. And they were losing game after game. And it was so disappointing. And you could see them like they just weren't together. And so they had this team meeting. And they're like, you know, we need to change this. We need to stop yelling at each other. We need to start building each other up. We need to start speaking the best of it. Even if there's a mistake, even if you make a problem that causes something bad to happen, I'm not going to get all over you. I'm gonna actually going to say, hey, let's, let's, let's get back to it. And so we, I actually saw this shift in the team where they went from, you know, angry, upset, no one performing to their level, to being a team that began to work together, to succeed, to have um, wins and wins. And so I think that's a picture that the church is supposed to be, that we're a team, and that it's natural in the human nature to tear each other down, to be negative, to be pessimistic, especially in this world today. There is so much negativity. And so as a team, we need to say, you know what? We are not going to get ourselves involved in that. We are going to encourage each other daily. We're going to pick each other up. I think that's the picture that Paul has for us here. See, there is a power in encouraging words. Words that build up. Words that remind the person of who they are. I don't know if you've ever been struggling in life and someone's come to you and encouraged you and said something that spoke right to that place where you were struggling, where you were feeling maybe disillusioned or frustrated or alone or forgotten. And you hear those words and it kind of wakes you up because there's a power in our words. There's a power in what's coming out. And I want us to watch a clip from one of my favorite movies. There are going to be no swear words in this one, I swear. But it's a clip from the movie Toy Story. And it's when Woody and Buzz are trapped in Sid's room. You know, Sid who likes to mutilate the toys, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And Buzz, Buzz, you know, he, he thought he was incredible. And then his eyes were opened to who he really was. And he was like crushed and defeated and depressed and disillusioned and disheartened and just wanted to give up on life. Have you ever felt that way? Absolutely. So let's watch this. Okay, all right. And what I love about that is that if Woody hadn't spoken a word of encouragement to Buzz, there wouldn't have been a Toy Story 2 or 3. And I love those movies, but really it woke Buzz up. And and see, we never know the impact that our words can have on people who are hearing what we're saying. We never know the power and the influence and the, the, the effect it will have on, on stirring someone else up. In fact, the word that is used here in Greek, it means fan into flame. We never know that our words can actually fan into flame, maybe a spark that's in there, something that's in there, but deep down, right? It's kind of like the billows, right? And now I, I went down to Williamsburg and took this picture this week just so I could have it. But look at that. 
You know, you take this great big thing and it blows on this little tiny spark and creates a big fire hot enough to, you know, change iron and, and manipulate whatever they're called, you know, to do those things. I just love, you know, I'm not an expert blacksmith, but I love that idea that our words are like this big, huge billow that are breathing life in to the things that, that are there, but maybe are forgotten. Or maybe people are just afraid to use or afraid to in, or insecure. It also means, refers to a military speech prior to battle. Sometimes someone needs to hear, right? Like Braveheart, right? The greatest military speech ever given in the history of cinema. Right? I remember I just used to watch that speech over and over again and get all fired up. Like, yes, I can do anything, you know. And then I mooned every, no, no, that's, <laughs> Okay, but you know, sometimes we need to say, hey, come on, there's a battle to be fought. Don't give up. Don't be passive in life. Rise up, rise up, right? And so I love these words and what they mean and what they can do to the people around us. And it's also a construction term, right? When he talks about building each other up, it's the idea that you actually are building something in someone else as you're actually saying those words, You're constructing what God is doing. You're partnering with what God is doing in the person that you're encouraging. I I love that idea. Um, This week I came across a fascinating study, and it challenged me. And let me share it with you. The University of Nebraska did a study on 17,000 families in 27 different countries, and it found that in healthy families, and, and how they define healthy is really complex and long, I don't want to go into that, but in healthy families, which are probably none of us, but anyway, um, the ratio of positive to negative interaction was 10 to 1. And in some instances, it was 20 to 1. So basically, for every time you said, hey, you know, <laughs> you didn't clean your room, there needs to be 10 to 20 positive encouragements given to those, to those people, right? And I think that's so challenging. I mean, and you could take this and apply it to your work. Are we, apply, are we speaking positive, encouraging words to the people that we're working with? Or are we just like going through it and frustrated and we see the things they're not doing? And so I, I was actually really convicted by this. And I, I um, talked to Rebecca and I was like, my wife, and I was, Rebecca, this is something that's really challenging because the Latchals, that's my family, we're naturally sarcastic and mean. <laughs> we, need, we need to work on this. And she's like, oh my goodness. What are these, who are these families that they studied? And she said, are they the Flanders? I don't know if you guys have ever watched The Simpsons, but this is like the perfect Christian family. And we are definitely not the Flanders. We're not a perfect family. But I do think we can think about our words sp- spoken, even to the people that we're familiar with. Am I speaking life to my spouse? Am I speaking life to my kids? Am I speaking life to my coworkers and to my friends? Or am I getting caught up in this realm and this, this, these ideas of negativity, discouragement, frustration? And so I think you can keep it positive even when things are negative, even when things are hard. You don't have to go into that pessimistic, negative, cynical place. Actually, I don't think God ever gets there. I don't think God is ever in that place like, this world sucks, you know? I mean, maybe he thinks, but I don't think he declares it. And I think that we can work on setting an example to the people around us of bringing this life. Um, 
There's a story that I love. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And it's about this guy named Gideon. And he was in Israel. And it was during this time when Israel was a little nation and they were being destroyed by their enemies all around them. In fact, so much so that every time they would try to, and back then, you know, it was like an agricultural society. So like your crops were really, really important. Right now, none of us probably, I had a little tiny garden that is actually doing terrible right now. But anyway, these guys would come in and they, Israel would do all the hard work and they would come in and they would take all their food, all their cattle, everything, and again and again and again. And they were just being decimated year after year. And so it got so bad that they were actually hiding out in caves. They were hiding out in the hills. They were getting as far away from the actual fertile ground as possible so they could stay hidden from the enemy. They were terrified of the enemy, the Midianites. And so Gideon is just this guy. He's just a worker, and he's actually um, working with the wheat. And back then, you, when you worked with the wheat, I'm going to do a horrible job descri- describing this, but like you threw it up and the good stuff would come down. The wind would take the chaff and blow it away, right? And so you'd want to do it out in the open. But he was actually, let me show you, he was actually down in a wine press, which is a terrible idea because there's no wind down in this pit. That's where you go down and you step on the grapes and you make the wine. But he was there trying to do that because he was so afraid and he didn't want anybody to see him. He was living in terror of his future, of those around him. And he, he was hiding away. And so if you look at this, one day, the angel of God came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, whose son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress. Out of sight of the Midianites, the angel of God appeared to him and said, God is with you, O mighty warrior. First of all, can we just say how crazy this story is? Could you imagine if you were just like mowing the lawn or you're doing your chores and all of a sudden an angel of God appeared and began speaking to you? I don't think they do it justice here. This isn't written for like a narrative, but if I wrote it and Gideon freaked out and screamed and began to hit the angel with the, whatever, you know, it's, it's crazy. Put yourself in his shoes. You're hiding away. And then here God shows up and he says, God is with you, almighty warrior. Is Gideon doing anything that looks like a mighty warrior? Has he done anything mighty in his entire life? Not at all. In fact, he has lived in fear and in terror his whole life. Yet God shows up and, you know, if it was me, I'd show up and say, yo, Gideon, get your butt up out of that hill or that cave and start doing something with your life. Right? Stop being afraid. I would rebuke him. I would shame him. I would make him feel guilty. I would say you're being a terrible example for your younger brothers and sisters. You know, whatever. But God shows up and he sees something within Gideon that Gideon doesn't even see himself. Because look, Gideon says this. With me, my master? God is with me? Why has all this happened to us? But God faced him directly. Go in the strength that is yours. There's a strength in you that you have never seen. See, God is speaking a word of encouragement and of life into Gideon that he has never even seen. There are going to be times that you're going to speak into someone's life a word of encouragement that they never have believed about themselves. And there are going to be times someone's going to speak to you that way. I've had it done plenty of times. I can tell you, 
I used to be so afraid to speak in front of anybody publicly. I was homeschooled, and I was afraid of people. I was definitely an introvert. And so I remember the first time I went to school in ninth grade, and I had to give a report in front of my class. And I sat there, and I just started giving my report, and I tried to do it as fast as I possibly could. I speak fast already, but imagine I was going like double time, as fast as I could. And I could just feel, like when I get really nervous... I, my face flushes. It's so embarrassing. And then, my, and, and even weirder, my ears turn purple. And I could feel my ears turning purple. And I could look out on the faces of my friends, because they are all my friends, and I could see pity on their faces. They were thinking, oh, poor Jonathan. He is really floundering, right? I could have never guessed that I would be doing this and being the best speaker ever. Now I'm teasing, right? I, but but. God had to come alongside of me. Others had to come, into, come to me and say, Jonathan, there is something here. Speak out, almighty warrior. I'm like, no, I don't want to speak out. I don't want to do that. I just want to read books. Stay safe. But here God is saying this. Gideon said to him, me, my master, how and with what could I ever save Israel with? Look at me. My clan is the weakest, right? How many times do we sit under excuses for holding back what God has given us to do, what God is stirring up in us, the gifts that he's given to us? My clan is the weakest, and I'm the runt of the litter. I love it. I love it. The runt of the liver. Liver. (laughs) Gross. The runt of the litter. I love that, right? We, We love to let excuses determine our future instead of letting God determine our future. And God said to him, I'll be with you. Believe me. And see, that's the word of encouragement. It speaks to potential. It speaks to possibilities. It speaks to the gifts that you have. It speaks to the future that can be yours. And I know at times we are under it and it's hard. (sighs) Okay, so I'm going to give you three practical ways that we can do this this week. Okay, and I just, this is the thing. I know we all know it's good to be encouraging. I know we all know it's better to be positive than negative. It's better to be nice than mean. We know these things. But then we're put into atmospheres and situations that we come under and we begin to become discouraging. We begin to tear down, maybe not to their face, but behind their back. We begin to be pessimistic and negative, right? And we begin to spew this out. And so I'm going to talk about three things that we can do to encourage one another. And I mean not just the people here at City Light, but those you come in contact with, those that you see at the grocery store, those that you work with, those people who are so negative and so grumpy and so miserable, think about what a word of encouragement could do in their lives. Okay, so the first one is catch people doing things right. See, we love to catch people doing things wrong. We see when people mess up. With my kids, I'm all over when they mess up. But sometimes, I don't really, I'm not really looking for where I can praise them, where I can encourage them, where I can build them up, where I can say, yeah, you really, you really did a great job with that. I can see you trying. I can see you working hard in that. Catch people doing things right. So often, especially with social media, right, we are catching people doing things wrong all the time. And it's fun for us. Right? There's a certain satisfaction in being negative about somebody else. There's a certain satisfaction about being negative about an area or a person or uh, you know, a nation. 
It's easy for us to talk about what's wrong. What would be different about you and me is if we talk about what's right, what's good, what's, what we can encourage, what we can speak into. So catch people doing things right. I really love that. Um, you never know. I remember um, years ago, I went on a missions trip with uh, a few friends down to, to YWAM in, in Texas, and we went down to Mexico, and, um, and I remember, and this is back when, I mean, I still am, I still am afraid. I'm, I'm afraid of a lot of things, but this is back when I was really scared and really introverted, and, and I, but I was really serious, and I really wanted to do what God wanted me to do, and I was really like, my God, God had my heart, but, you know, I just felt really uh, uh, insecure of who I, and who I was, and, and sometimes, let me just tell you this, like, you can hear an encouraging word from your parents, and you're like, right, you had to say that to me. Hearing an encouraging word from a stranger or from someone who doesn't really know you can, can blow your mind. You're like, what? You, 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 saw, you don't even know me. You don't, there was no reason why you had to say that to me. So it must be real. You must see something in me. And so this, this, one of these youth leaders, last day we were there, I didn't even get to know her. And she wrote me this like, long like, word, really, note of encouragement saying, you know, I see so much potential in you as a leader. I see that people are going to be drawn to you. You're going to be an influence over people. And, and she wrote down this picture that she had of me in front of a church welcoming people, which is, you know, who knows, maybe it was here, you know, and, and all this stuff. And I remember I got that. And it was like, honestly, it was like receiving treasure. I just was like, this is the most incredible thing I've ever gotten. You know, like this word from this stranger. And it, it's carried me throughout the years. I've looked back on that. It's in my little note box. You know, everybody's got that, you know, where you put your special things. So anyway, sometimes catching people doing things right. She saw something in me. She saw me working hard, wanting to serve God. And she said, I'm going to speak that to you. And it blew my mind. Number two, compliment like crazy. Now, I'm not saying just say things that aren't true to people to make them like you. Because people are really good at doing that in this world. But I'm saying taking time to see the good in people, to see who they are, see their gifts, and compliment like crazy, right? That's really similar to catching people doing things right, but I want to I have an atmosphere, an environment where we're just saying these blessings, these encouragements over each other regularly. Like, you are awesome. You are awesome. This is another way to look at this is talk about people behind their back, but in a good way, right? Like, it's easier to talk about people behind their back in a negative way, tear them down. But what about if we talked about people behind their back in a way like, hey, you guys don't know this, but Ted comes early to set up kids ministry and the welcome center over there once a month and it's incredible and he does it without complaint and it's one of the worst jobs of set up there are and yet he's there. Wouldn't it be awesome if we were always building each other up behind each other's backs? Because this is the thing, when you start tearing down people behind other people's backs, don't you think, well, if you're saying this to me, what are you saying about me? What are you saying about me to other people? Right? You want to be a trustworthy person. It's part of being one another. It's part of, of living an authentic community is that we honor and respect and we love each other and we don't tear each other down. I love this. So it's kind of small. I'm going to read it to you. But this is Jordan. You guys know Jordan Ambra. Right? And he just posted that this week. He said, leave me a comment saying hi, and I'll give you an honest and thoughtful compliment. I'll explain why below. When I was 16, my favorite friends confronted me and basically told me that I was being a jerk 
and that it was difficult to be around me as a friend. It was probably the most difficult thing I'd ever heard about myself because I had to confront who I'd become, a cynical, sarcastic jerk. Who I'd become was a fearful reaction to thinking I was unloved or unlovable, mainly due to experiences, this is so thoughtful, Jordan, experiences in the previous five years of trying to navigate middle school and high school as an unconfident person. I think what happens is that fear turns you into the opposite of who you're supposed to be. I'm a helpful, empathetic, and encouraging person by nature, but due to all that fear I had built up, I became the uh, antithesis, antithesis of that. (laughs) That's because I spent so much time reading on my own. I just, that was the word. I I didn't hear it. I just read it, antithesis of that, which made me extremely unhappy. Antithesis goes along with the antichrist. Just watch out. Made me extremely unhappy. I'll be forever grateful to them and others who have helped de-jerkify myself over the years since then. It's a surprisingly long process. During my normal influx of news over the last few days, I noticed, like so many days before, that nearly all of it was an attack on some other group of people. I'm sure there's a justification being made for the attacks, and there are certainly issues that need to be dealt with, but the attacking of other groups, rather than seeking cooperation, understanding, and appreciation of our difference is extremely saddening to me, because I recognize those attacks are coming from a place of deep fear. It's unsettling. Love and kindness drive away fear. So in a small effort to make the world a better place, let me compliment you. Leave a comment and I'll respond. Don't be embarrassed. And I just love the heart behind this. And he had, when I screenshot this, there's over 108 comments and there's more since then. This is the thing. Like we can choose how we're going to influence the world. And we can choose to be people who actually like to be around us because of what's flowing out of our hearts. Kindness, compassion, encouragement, Or we can be people who honestly are hard to be around. Sarcastic jerks who care about nothing. You know, like that that is what happens. See, Ephesians 4.29. This is from Paul. He writes to his followers. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Now, this word unwholesome, I think, is so powerful because what it, what it means is rotten or spoiled. Don't let any rotten or spoiled. Like, have you ever cleaned out your fridge, right, once every six months, and you get back, and, and, and like the fruit has been so forgotten that it, it's almost liquefied, right? And it's like so disgusting. And, and so I'm always like, Rebecca, it's time to clean the fridge. And so, this is the thing. We can be people who our words poison other people, even with our negativity. And maybe it's not even talking about other people, but it's just our overall spirit that we're bringing to the conversation or to the atmosphere. It's just negativity, negativity, negativity. And it's rotten, right? It comes out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. It's also how often... Do we just complain and complain and complain? Have you ever been around someone who just complains and complains and it complains? It's so draining. And finally, you're just like, just be quiet already. Right? There are some good things in this world you can focus on. Not everything is hell. Not everything is horrible. Lift your eyes just a little bit. And so let's not let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouth. Let's compliment like crazy. Let's be that. My wife, Rebecca, works in Wilmington, and they have a Starbucks in her building, and she started off just talking and being really kind and compassionate and encouraging to the workers at Starbucks. 
You know, and, and they go through, the, they're working really hard and there's always a long line. She just started off treating them like people. And it's amazing when you treat people who aren't used to being treated nicely, especially people like who are working to serve you, it changes our heart when you treat them with love and respect and honor. And so she's built this relationship and Candace and Rachel also are there and they've worked too. And I know that one day Rebecca wrote this long note because she knew one of the girls was going through a hard time and just gave her a note saying, hey, this is who I see you as. This is how God sees you. Take it. And she gave her the note. And the next time she saw Rebecca, she came running to her, gave her a great big hug, tears flowing down. She says, you don't have any idea how much I needed to hear that. I felt God had forgotten me. God had given up on me. And just because Rebecca took the time to write this note out and give it, it did something in that woman's heart. And now, you know, they're friends. And actually, she says it's kind of embarrassing because every time she gets in line for Starbucks, and it's always a long line, all the workers run around the counter and give her a great big hug. It's like, hold on for a second. And they run around and everybody's like, mm. you know, she's like, I'm sorry. But whatever, it's good. And so, the last one that I want to focus on is encourage those in need. Um, worship team, you could come on up. I think encouraging those in need is especially hard because it's really easy to encourage those who are confident or, you know, already super successful. Like, yeah, you know, those kind of people still need encouragement. You know, like, like I want at least 10 of you to come up to me after today and just say, wow, that was so encouraging, Jonathan. Um, and if you don't, then I'm going to be mad. So, or cry, one or the other. I, I don't know yet. But, um, but I think that there's a special thing when we encourage those people who are really struggling in life and they don't even see what you're doing for them when you're doing it for them. People who are afflicted, people who are depressed, people who are dealing with mental illness or just having a really horrible time or dealing with crisis or tragedy or loss, right? Paul, right, right after he says this about encourage, he says this, and we urge you, encourage the disheartened. Help the weak, be patient with everyone. And I just feel like um, that's the vision of City Light is to seek love and care for those like Jesus this, does. Do I say did or does? Both. But how, like, sometimes we need to actually, and this word encourage actually means journey with. Sometimes it's not even a word that you say, how you encourage them. It's actually you just journey with them when they're disheartened, when they're weak. They need you to be patient when your natural inclination is to be impatient. Like, come on. Because this is the thing about people who are really in it. You can't just say one word and you're like, ah, it's all better. Thank you for saying that. You know, it might take months, years, and you have to know before God, I'm doing what God's calling me to do. And it's worth it. Because you might not ever get a thank you. You might not ever get, hey, you're amazing. And so this is our first one another. And so my challenge for you guys this week is, is to choose to be intentional about encouraging. Be encouraging. Be encouraging to your spouse because sometimes we take advantage. I mean, not advantage. We take for granted the person that we're journeying through life with. Be encouraging to your kids. Be encouraging to your coworkers. That's hard. Compliment like crazy. Say good things about people behind their back. 
wouldn't it be great if we had this atmosphere, this environment where we were just calling out to each other saying, you're awesome. No, 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 you're awesome. No, 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 you're awesome. And we're just like running this race together. Like, this is great, right? And then there's somebody who's really struggling and we're like, you know, come on, come on, you can make it too. And we all slow down for the person who's hurting, right? This is what I do with Josh Robinson every time I run with him, right? It's come on, buddy, you can make it. We can do this, you know? I mean, that's, that's the thing. I look at like the richest people in the world, like Bill Gates and, and, and Jeff Bezos, and, and I'm like, man, they have so much money. Why? And I know they give away a lot, but why don't they give away more? If I had that much money, man, I would be giving it away. I would be blessing people. I would be crazy. The thing is, is that we have a treasure, a gift to give in our words. It's actually more powerful than money, right? And, and, and we can't be stingy. Like, it costs you nothing to say a word of encouragement. It literally doesn't. And so what has to happen is we have to have a heart change about people. Like, because, like, sometimes you can be like, I hate people. I just hate all people. People are awful, you know? Like, I get there sometimes, especially at an amusement park. Everybody's, like, butting in front of you and, like, you know, like, swearing and doing, I mean, like, I hate people. I need to get away from people. But that's not good. That's just me, flesh. You know, that's me, ugly. Um, but Jesus wants to work on our hearts so that what comes out of us is him and the words of life that he carries for every person. So let's just stand up together. And I'm going to pray for you. Jesus, I just pray that in our hearts, God, we would find freedom so that we could speak these words of life, these words of encouragement. God, I pray that we would begin to be intentional about creating a positive environment, atmosphere in our sphere of influence, God, that we would bring life, Lord, that there would be no rotten or spoiled words that would come out of us, God, that we wouldn't be quick to judge and criticize and tear down, but we would be quick to encourage, to build up, to strengthen those who are weak, God. And so, Lord, we pray that you would work in us, God, so that we could see people the way that you do. God, I pray that we could be people who who just say words of life in all seasons, wherever we go, that we could encourage one another, God. Thank you that you're building authentic community here at City Light. And we want to be a place where, where people come in and say, oh my goodness, I can't believe how great and kind people are. I can't believe how much they spoke life over me. Wow. God, thank you for encouraging us when we were hurting, when we were broken. You are good, God. We bless you now. So let's just end this time with this last song and just think of your life and think maybe God will even put somebody in your heart that you need to encourage, that you need to send a text to, that you need to write a note to, that you need to tell them what they mean to you or what you see in them. So let's just do that now. There's also prayer over there. Receive prayer. If you have anything going on in your life, if you're struggling in life, if you're sick, or if you feel like, man, I'm negative. I know I'm negative. I know I'm cynical. I know I'm pessimistic. I need prayer. We will pray for you. It's not scary. It's a great thing.